up tonight on another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. We talk all about the latest news and current events from the AFL. We talk about trade week and we welcome Messenger back from the sunny shores of the Mediterranean. All that and more coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of the Big Footy Podcast. With me tonight, as always, and fresh back from his sojourns in the Mediterranean, I've got Messenger. Welcome. Ah, Wookie. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to be back. And uh, joining us for the first time from the Swans board, uh, a rather perturbed Robbie Ando is with us. Welcome, Robbie. Hello. How is everyone? It's uh, not as good as Messenger, I think. Wonderful. First off, straight off the bat, Messi, congratulations on the grand final win. I know you wanted to talk about it. Here's your opportunity. I, I did. It was sorry, Robbie. It was. I, I'm still piecing bits together because I haven't actually managed to watch the whole thing from beginning to end. But the bits I've seen are just a thing of glory, and I don't think any Hawthorne supporter uh, uh, saw that sort of performance coming. And uh, I must note that nobody on the podcast, the pre-grand final podcast, saw it coming. Oh, I look All like an idiot. Big city, <laughs> and what I say, they get stuffed. And a bag of dicks to you, would you? <laughs> Robbie, how'd, how'd it look like from your end, mate? Um, well, I'll, first of all, I have to congratulate Hawthorne on winning the grand final. Um, Well-deserved. Well good, good sports back premierships. Not <laughs> done very often. Um, uh for me, it was just a completely let down by our club, but it was just complete domination by Hawthorne. It, it was just a, a, basically a tsunami hit us on the day, and no no club, no matter how great they are, would have matched Hawthorne on the day. I think it was the most complete performance I've seen from a club in my lifetime of watching football. Okay, well, we won't prolong the agony for you. We'll move straight on. Because it has been a big news week, and uh, the Essendon, uh, or the James Hurd, took his appeal to court today to get a date set uh, to see if he could get it expedited. He apparently was after October the 27th. The Sada were trying to push it back to November the 22nd, I believe, and the judge decided on November the 10th. So apparently there was some expedition necessary because of the, uh, the condition that the players and everything have undergone, but um, not enough to... Um, not uh, disadvantage Asada from preparing its its uh, case. So not not really um, not really an exciting day. Uh, whole thing was done and dusted in about fifteen minutes, and we move on. But we did learn that the show cause notices will be issued uh, next week, including some new notices apparently. So it, it it would seem significant though that a number of the well former perhaps Essendon players have split from the herd, shall we say, with uh, Prismal and um, Crammery uh, getting separate legal advice at the uh, behest of Peter Gordon, who we'll, again, we will again talk about later in this podcast. Mm. But I wonder if this is start of the start of the, uh, the uh, unity ticket being broken up, as, so to speak. I mean, Winderlick's looking for a way out. Right. Um, Paddy Ryder, be... obviously... Uh, Kyle Hardingham. I mean, this is this is not good. 
Mumphreys has been encouraged by Port Adelaide to look for legal advice as well. The mm. AFLPA, for its part, says that all the players are still united uh, in their approach, even if they are seeking legal advice and have different lawyers, they are apparently still on the same page in the direction that they're taking it. They're all uh, innocent, no one's taking a deal, no one's talking a deal at the moment. I find that hard to believe, given I uh, do given recent developments. I think that's the AFLPA putting a brave face on it all. I'm not entirely sure what the AFLPA's end game is here, um, but I find it also hard to believe that an organisation whose entire funding comes from the AFL itself can be uh, independent of the AFL. So, yes. I think their end game would be to, you know, reduce um, bans for the players if they're found guilty. Um, that's the only end game I can see from the the PA. I'd say that's probably. Otherwise, Probably fair enough too. I mean, they're there to look after the players' interests. So, well, uh, they would be looking for a Cronulla-type resolution to this, wouldn't they? With minimal games missed, out-of-season yeah. bans, yeah. And and I mean, Port Adelaide. I mean, Port Adelaide are, are saying, well, we don't we don't want you to sit out a season because of something that happened three years ago. Mm. And we're willing to pay for your defence. And and if they can expedite you, I mean, they don't care what happens in Essendon but they want their player available to them. And, and I can imagine that the Western Bulldogs would feel the same way. Cronulla, um, the Cronulla players did have to serve a couple of games at the end of the season. And Asada have said that they won't entertain any kind of uh, punishment that doesn't uh, involve at least the missing of some matches. Um, I would expect it to be only three or four at the moment based on the Cronulla punishment, but it'll, it'll be a rocky start to the season. Well, I don't see... Um the Cronulla-type deal coming up for the Essendon players, mainly because the legal action that was taken and also the timing. Uh, I, what I would see happening is happening more to... It's still the six-month ban, but more towards the start of the season. And so you might see something like a half-season ban, top of a you know 10-12 game ban in the end. But that that really does depend on when the show course notices because with with the Cronulla players they were issued the show course notices, then the deals were offered and that was all in that one week period. Here is the show course notices have been issued. So it'd be interesting to see if the show course notices are handed out, deals are offered in that same week. Mm. Alright, so moving moving on but staying kind of in the same vein, uh the deal to get Patrick Ryder to Port Adelaide from the Bombers has uh, taken a bit of a turn today. The AFL has uh, told uh, Essendon and Port Adelaide that no dodgy schemes are going to be tolerated. <laughs> it's uh, And Ryder will have to exercise his uh, right to leave uh, due to... Uh, I'm not sure what the cause is exactly that he's exercising, but there is. it's apparently got to do with uh, the club being irresponsible and negligent and things... So he's going to exercise that to leave. The Bombers have said in the past that they'll fight that. So that'll be interesting. That'll be interesting in a just in a Chris Case will of course uh, get a few more hundred followers on Twitter for it. <laughs> so if if he he actually um, says right on to terminate my contract on the basis that this is an unsafe workplace and you dealt with me in a negligent manner, he essentially would. Essendon will obviously go to court because that's, as we now know, their home ground. Yep. They would... and So Ryder would be held to his contract until such time as the court case 
So he's essentially giving up a year. And we talked about this in our last main board podcast where we said really the issue is how, you know, how hard is Paddy Ryder willing to fight for this? Well, apparently, and... he, apparently it goes to the AFL's grievance tribunal first mm-hmm. and where they'll decide whether he has sufficient grounds to leave the club or not. And I, I can't see that not being uh, agreed to on the basis of the governance uh, punishments that were handed out last year. Yeah, yeah but, the, but but he's going to have to prove how... He would have to surely prove that he's been personally affected. Not just that, oh, well, it, they, they've, they, were, they ran their club badly. and because It's surely going to be an easier case to prove if he's issued with a show cause notice and yeah. he has to serve a suspension. Oh, absolutely. And that's what, I, that's what I think might end up happening. I think he will get a show cause notice if he hasn't had one already. And if he can say, look, if he can say the AFL grievance tribunal, look, I've got the show cause notice, I've been penalised for this, uh, I'm out. I think, yeah. the, I think the AFL would fully agree with that, and I think a court would as well, so. Be interesting. Well, interesting times ahead, Miss. It's probably yeah. easier than actually trading with Essendon, isn't it? Oh, man. <laughs> Anything's easier than trading with Essendon. Yes, absolutely. So, we're going to keep this moving along rapidly because I don't want this to be an overly long podcast. You know, messenger's got to get to bed and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> in other trade news, gonna... Jonathan Griffin uh, has apparently decided to take leave of his senses and his uh, club. Griffin? Sorry? Ryan, Ryan Griffin? Griffin, whoever it is. Ryan Griffin um, has gone from the Western... Well, has told the Western Bulldogs he wants to leave. And, uh, Mess, what's your view on this? Uh, there's no quicker way to shred a reputation than to do something like this. He's, he, according to the Bulldogs, he had a meeting before he left for his overseas uh, holiday, uh, aired his grievances. They also said, well, we're all on the same page. Yeah, all happy. Yeah, I'm good. First day he's back in the country. Get me out of here. And uh, it sounds like the Bulldogs were completely blindsided by this. Um, certainly listening to Cam Mooney's interview on SEN and on Trade Radio, he's uh, he's been scathing. And, and this seems to be, uh, I'm picking up my bat and ball and going home. But I guess there, there are two things the Bulldogs can do here, one of which is they can say, OK, go to GWS and say, listen, we, we want full the full, uh, full measure for this guy. Or they can say to Griffin, you've got a year on your contract. We're not tolerating it. We'll see you at training in November. Mm. So um, I sort of hope for the latter. Evidently, he's uh, requested a trade to G uh, to GWS. Um, so chances are there's money involved there. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't I would want to, one thing I want to know is who's gotten his ear. Has his manager approached GWS? That's well, one thing, or, or is it? Otherwise, the GWS approaching a contract, it, it, that could be, you know, you know, inducing a player to breach his contract, and that kind of is draft tampering. But the other one is that, you know, is there's something going on? Is it the coach? Is it the the old older part, the older playing group? Is it the younger playing group versus the older playing group? What's going on with the Bulldogs? According to the what? statement issued by Peter Gordon today. Uh, Ryan Griffin raised some concerns about the senior coach the day after their best and fairest. 
Uh, they had a meeting with uh, Chris Grant and Brendan McCartney and uh, Simon Garlick, uh, and which they, uh, which he indicated that he was going to reflect on his uh, position at the club while he was away. And uh, he said he was happy uh, to continue working with the coach on an ongoing basis, though. He returned on Tuesday night and, uh, without any further discussion, uh, gave... Uh, informed the Bulldogs that he'd changed his mind, uh, according to Peter Gordon. We were also informed that he was seeking a trade to GWS, with whom we now understand he was in communication during this time. But the best part of the statement, <laughs> we are extremely disappointed at his approach and have no intention of indulging it. So he's pretty much I, staying at the Bulldogs, whether he likes it or not. I, and this you know is... what? I, I don't think that's such a bad thing. I don't. I know, I know the Bulldogs will, there'll be a number of fans will say, look, we should get what we can get while we can get it. But ultimately, he's going to, they're going to get a compensation pick for him in 12 months' time if he stays the course and leaves. But, um, yeah, I, I, I find it interesting, again, as Robbie was saying, that he's, they've been talking to his agent or to him when he's got more than 12 months left on his contract. I mean, surely there are rules against this. Well, there are rules, aren't there? I know they used a loophole a couple of years back to talk to out-of-contract players, but he's not out-of-contract. So... He's far from it. It's kind of bizarre. Uh, In other trade news, we've got uh, James Frawley has apparently agreed to a deal to go to Hawthorne. Yes, he has. Which raises its own questions about uh, the effectiveness of free agency and equalisation working together. Um, we believe we're, I'm told that in the NFL the top teams aren't actually allowed to participate in the in, in trade is that no not that I'm aware of I'm no, not fully aware of the no, NFL rules is that not right no because the Denver Broncos made the Super Bowl this year and signed about five four I think it was four of the top three uh, agents so no and I know Seattle had instead of signing, they one of their players they re-signed one of their own free eight players who went into free agency. Um, also, if they were banned from, they wouldn't have been able to re-sign him. So no, that's not the case. I don't know why that keeps getting peddled around that the NFL are the top four from re-entering because the, I know the Patriots keep signing free agents all the time. So okay. that's just so it's I not... think there's been a lot of a lot of like hand wringing about the Frawley thing, hand wringing that didn't exist when one of the top ten players in the league was snatched from the reigning premier of that year, which was when Franklin left. Is it is it everybody's night free agency nightmare? Sure, but for the most part, free agency signings are going to be far more benign, like uh, weight going to North Melbourne and and. And, uh, and things like that. Um, but I don't think we need to recast the system on the basis of, uh, of one player choosing to move from the bottom to the top. But it's not one player, though, Messenger. Uh, like, you've got Franklin, well, who, who exercised his right to go to Sydney. You've got he, went Fra- from a top, he went from one top four team to another top Yeah, team. but you've got Frawley, who went to, uh, who's got, now gone to, Mel- um, to Hawthorne. You've got uh, other players... Whose names escape right. me? <laughs> oh. but, but this is my point. Uh, Brian, Brendan Goddard went from Brendan Goddard went from a 
middle-of-the-road team to another middle-of-the-road team? Yeah, money? Brian Lake went from the Bulldogs to Hawthorne. That trade. was a trade. Sorry, was that trade, was it? That was a trade. Yep. Mm, I thought it was. I thought he went as a free agent. I should thought no, he, he was. Know, he went, it, he it, it was a trade. We, we traded our first round pick for him from memory. Mm, 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 okay. So well, I can bring again, the, I, I, I books for this one. I'll bring out the books and see what have been the free agents. Actually, Is Robbie, that the way to answer these questions. Robbie, you're breaking up, mate. Sorry. Look, I can bring out books on this one, but look, to be honest, some have been a handful of free agents. Most of them have gone to have gone from middle of the range clubs to the bottom end of the top eight clubs. So, like Eddie Betts is one example. Nick Del Santo, who technically wasn't a free agent but became one, you know, went from St Kilda to North. You know, those are the type of players that will become free. Will be the free agents that will move. Yes, you'll have the Buddy Franklins who. Who, you know, who shouldn't have gone to Sydney, technically, but those will be the ones that will grab the headlines. And same, same with James Frawley, who will go from the bottom club to the top club. But what will happen is, over time, clubs will get smarter at re-signing their players. You know, three or four years out from the contract, so they won't leave it to to the very end. And the ones that do make it to the end of free agency will not be the the best of the best. Mm. And the challenge will be to keep these guys out of free agency for as long as they can by signing. And you'll see some guys sign to some really silly long contracts. And and I'm not talking about the buddy contract necessarily, but you'll see guys who are 22, 23, starting to get six- and seven-year contracts. Mm. It'll it, it'll absolutely happen. And, and the first one of these guys that comes in and is a stiff from two years out from the end of his deal... They'll all turn around and stop again because this is what we did in the 90s. This is what we mm. in the early noughties where we had guys getting massive contracts on the basis of five minutes of football in sunshine and clubs will in the end say, you know what, we've got to back ourselves here and, 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 and spend what we can afford to spend, not simply look a guy up just in case he runs away from us. Yeah. I mean, clubs well, show an enormous lack of faith in themselves, I think. Well, I think the first example of a club doing that was Sam Reid at Sydney. Um, we signed him with a year left on his actual contract and we signed him up for five years, not because he was near, nearing free agency, but we signed him up. We, so he basically signed him up for his first year of free agency because, so we, he would enter free agency. Mm. We, he would be out of contract and be into, be into free agency, but if he, he, he wouldn't be able to enter free agency on a, yeah. on a small deal, he'd be on a large wicket at free agency if he turned out to the player who he, we expected him to be. The first year of his contract, we won before he, he entered the extension. He, we won the premiership. Then the next two years, he's been injured, and of course now he's just a middle of the road player at the club. So really, that's the kind of contract that can come back and bite you. If you, you you try and project too far forward, try to get smart. But what you've got to do is look. At, I would think the perfect case would be Patrick Dangerfield. You know, you don't want him entering the last year of his contract, where he could say, All right, "I'm going to put contract talks on hold till the end of the year," which is mm. now code for "I'm out of here." I'm going. You want him? Yeah. You want him? You want you want him signed this off season? 
You want him signed before the first round. Otherwise, you know he's gone. Yeah, but but he knows too that he can ratchet his price up if he sits there till May or June. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Adelaide, I think Adelaide have done the right thing. They've just simply said, he's not for trade. He's yeah. not for trade. We're going to back ourselves. And if we can sign him, because once you've let him go, you can't sign him. You'll never get him back. So, you know, once he's gone, he's gone. So, um, you know, and, and then it's a matter of who's got the cap space to get him. I, I think Adelaide are doing the right thing. And, um, yeah, I, a lot of, lot of panic over, over not much, Wookie. Okay. Not much. Fair enough. I'll leave it to uh, the experts. But uh, uh, John O'Rourke apparently traded to Hawthorne today. Talking of panic, mm-hmm. this is a lot, an enormous topic of great consternation that Hawthorne were again doing something nefarious and shouldn't be allowed to do it and life's not fair and let's all set ourselves on fire. Young guy, I think he's played half a dozen games in two seasons. He was a former number two pick. And we've traded our first and second pick to GWS um, for O'Rourke and GWS's third round pick, which is just below our second round pick. I was so, going to say, when, when was your first round pick? Like 20? 19. <laughs> 19, and our second round pick was 40 uh, for their third round pick. So we've dropped a little. Our first pick is now 43 at the moment. And um, this is a guy that, that Hawthorne think that can do can benefit from a change of environment. Apparently, he was a bit of a square peg in a round hole at GWS and, and never really settled in. And he had a couple of injuries too. I think he broke his jaw in a in a NEFL game at one point, and he's had a shoulder and a hamstring issue along the way. But um, Hawthorne are happy they can rehabilitate him. So I guess the the proof is, you know, is he going to be better than the guy you could get at nineteen? Okay. Um, the good thing about I don't have blame Hawthorne for going out and getting him. And they've given up currency. The thing I would say to the naysayers is, look, Hawthorne have got players in their midfield that are over 30 and they yes. need to start getting people replacements. They've got a good young core just below, mm. but they also still need to get players below that as well. And they, were, they know what players they want. They go and get those players. So this. Yes. That's how. That's why they're a good club. That's why they're back to back. And that's why they make, we, Hawthorne made good decisions. And Graham Wright, who Wookie's team had a go at during the year, um, he, he he's a very good planner, and his draft record is exceptional. Mm. Um, the thing about bringing in somebody like O'Rourke is that he's already had two years in the system. He's that much further advanced than if you brought in the kid from the draft at nine uh, at pick nineteen who'll be 17 or 18 years old, there's that much more development. O'Rourke slots into that system a bit quicker. Now, there's some talk that Graham Wright was saying that they believe he could be ready to go straight away in 15. I tend to think you'll only see... If he plays half a dozen games, I think he's doing pretty well next year. I think he needs time in a a stronger competition um, in the VFL, and that'll give an idea of where he really is. But... um, they, you know, they don't give away their record with their first round picks over the last few years is pretty good, um, and and hopefully it's it's good with this kid as well. Okay, very quickly, just wrapping up the rest of the trade stuff. Jeff Garlett has gone to Melbourne. There is uh, apparently a three way deal uh, under possibly being done with uh, Heretia Lamumba and Mitch Clark and Travis Varco. Apparently, mm. 
So interesting yep. stuff. Patrick Dangerfield isn't going anywhere, according to Adelaide, and they're quite fed up with asking him if you believe the Adelaide media. Uh, Taylor Hunt and Adam Cooney will not be going to Melbourne, and Carlton has denied any interest in Adam Cooney. And Sam Frost is apparently hoping to do some sort of trade with GWS. Joel Patful is apparently on his way to GWS, if you believe the media. So, fun as games. Because he's not allowed to go to Sydney. Mm. Mm. Now, the big one. The big one, and we've deliberately left this to last to give it some time to shine. But uh, the AFL today stomped down on uh, the Swans trade period by forbidding them from being involved in the trade period, basically, as long as the cola remained in effect. Robbie, your time to vent, mate. Well, it, it, it does frustrate me. We've, we've followed rules that have been put in place by the AFL. End of the day, cola was put in place by the AFL. So we've been basically punished for following the rules. So... I would love to know what would happen if we ever broke a rule, what punishment we would get. I would, don't, wouldn't think it would be two years of worth of first and second round draft picks. I think it would be much worse because on today's evidence, just following the rules gets you punished by the AFL if you're, a, you're the Swans. But it, it, it's just policy on the run. And the AFL has great history in this year. They're just looking at finding solutions, and I have, have no doubt this comes back to Ian McGuire wanting to have a solution. He doesn't want the Swans basically pulling out a star player out of a hat some way in this trade period, which I couldn't see happening because at the end of the day, yes, Kohler was coming out, was coming out so we had to re-sign players, um, even though we were losing players. We're resigning players to lesser contracts because of cola. Where that component was going out, um, so we've had to resign players. Forward thinking, you know, co- contracts were going up. We had to sign Dan Hanbury, Luke Parker to larger contracts than their last contracts. So most of the savings we've had from retirements, delistings, has been eaten up by new contracts that don't have the coal component in it. So that's a, that's one thing. The other thing is why can't we – what's the point of borrowing us from trading in a, a player from another club when that player's contract would not have cola added when we would trade out, say, say for example, we traded out uh, Josh Kennedy. He has cola in his contract. That – Kohler would then be lost because he's leaving to another club. We would then trade in, say, get a first-round draft pick and say a player. Obviously, unknown quantity, just an example. That player would not have Kohler. And that's, that's one example. We wouldn't be able to trade players because we wouldn't be able to get a fair trade. So we now have to hold on to players that we don't, might not necessarily want. The other point I have is that it's not equitable. They're allowing GWS, who are also are also um, part of the, also have cola and also have to get rid of cola by 20, 2017, 
but they're allowed to trade as well. So this is one rule, one rule for one club. So I just don't get it myself. Okay, the Swans uh, statement, official statement today says, uh, as you'd expect, the club is very disappointed. We don't understand why the AFL has made this rule specifically for us, considering we've complied with their rules. While we wholeheartedly believe AFL players should receive the cost of living allowance, due to the high cost of living in Sydney, it was ultimately the AFL's rule. It wasn't optional, and therefore we included it in every player's contract. It doesn't make any sense that we're being punished for something that we've been told to do. It also doesn't seem fair that we can lose players, yet we're unable to replace them. The only reason we've been unable uh, we've been able to recruit players in previous years is by creating salary cap room as a result of players departing the club, which is exactly the same as every other club. We will continue to discuss the restrictions in place with the AFL administration. So they're not happy up there, and the Swans board is uh, a little bit less vitriolic than I thought about it. But um, there's some disquiet there. I I mean I'm, look I'm I'm no fan of the way cola has been implemented and used over the years but uh this is absurd this this is absurd and and for it to apply to one team that has cola and not the other is is nonsensical and um the fact that it's sprung so late on the swans is is grossly unfair and i I think sydney have every right to be upset about it It's, it's um it's it's a very very poor piece of decision making on the AFL's part and, and it defies logic really I mean what what is what is the problem with Sydney being able to use the cola on any player on their list up to the time at which they have to extinguish it surely contracts can be instructed constructed to say well these are the rules you live under up to this point and then after that this is what your contract's going to look like yeah we're, we've got cola until 2017 for players who have it in their contract at the moment. So mm. any player who signs a new contract can't the cola will not be in that contract. So players who signed after the the, they, the announcement that cola will be removed or be phased out, those players will not get cola. So I, one player, for example, is Mike Pike, not the biggest name, but he's one player who has signed a contract since the announcement, who will not be will not have cola. Um, all the new draftees this year, so all the players we got this week in the academies will not have collar in their contracts. Um, you know, if we tra- traded in a player, say we traded in Joel Patful as an example, was one player that we were linked to before this came in, he wouldn't have had collar attached to him. So th- these are the things that, whereas Cole there would have been players on the, our list that would have had cola in their contracts. Any player who signed a new contract or had or who joined the club would have not had cola in their contracts. That's the way of phasing it out because all our contracts, bar one, expire at the end of 2017. Mm. So that's the way of getting rid of cola. Let the contracts expire, bring new contracts. So basically, that's how that one. The only contract we has that has cola is buddies after mm-hmm. 2017, which we would then have to absorb the cola component into our cap. Yeah, into our cap. But then that's one. That's unfortunately that's what we have to live with. But the other point of that is that there is restrained trade. And listening to SEN um, just a second ago, before I came on the podcast, Andrew Ireland did not rule out um, legal options 
in this. He said he, they, the Swans want to have a want to meet the full board for reason have the reasons explained to them. They're obviously going to continue discussing to see if they can get this trading water down. It's not so much for this year. I think it's for next year because next year is when we're going to have um, more more li- holes in our list and going forward. This year, I don't think it was as big of an issue. Next year, it would be a big issue because basically it means we've got we would have no way no no point of scouting other clubs other than to see what they're doing for next week. The Swans aren't going to go the uh, the uh, restraint of trade route against the AFL though. Well, well, I don't see why. Why couldn't they? I mean, this is a decision that's been made days before trade period, and they've been told they can't sign free agents. I mean, surely they could sign free agents and trade players in on the basis that the contracts they offer them, or the contracts that the players currently hold when they come to the Swans, uh, do do not have a cola component to them. They're not gonna they're not gonna take the AFL to court because the AFL still owns the club. The AFL owns a club, but the problem here lies, the A, and that's the thing. The AFL owns a club, but the AFL knows very well what the Swans are independent in the sense that we, if we oppose anything, we can turn the AFL competition on their head in that sense. The AFL can so they, they can re, they can rein us in. So if we did take a court, I don't think we're going to go to court to overturn the salary cap. This, and all those type of things, so we, we wouldn't do that. What we would do is try and say, hey, this is not on, this is not right. Let's have a bit of sense about it. Otherwise, because at the end of the day, we still are a member's own club, even though the, the largest shareholder is the AFL. Well, that's that's where it gets ridiculous. The board takes the AFL to court. The AFL calls a general meeting and sacks the board. Yeah, I'm just saying it's not a likely scenario to happen. I mean, they're gonna ha- they're gonna have to wear this. I, I I don't think the AFL could stop, despite the fact that they have an ownership component. That doesn't mean that they have control over the decision making power of the board. No. Yeah, the AFL would have to separate themselves from the decision, and that's where the commission has a problem. Given the, they own given the, the club, AFL, they to, they, yeah, they're a separate. To, they're a separate legal person. The Sydney yeah. Swans Football Club are a separate legal person. They, they would be who, the conflict of who, interest. Whose majority shareholder is the AFL? Then they would in have terms to, of in terms of their voting rights. Uh, they'd have to. There would be the conflict of interest. They would have to um, remove themselves of conflict of I interest. Don't think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm almost certain that's flat out wrong. But uh, further to that, the AFL also controls the Swans' funding. The Swans are not. The Swans barely make a profit without added AFL coverage. They're well, not, that's true. Not, of, that's true of about fourteen clubs, Wookie. Yeah, but that's why none of, not, they're not. The Swans are not going to take this to court on restraint of trade. No, and I said they're not going to take anything that affects the salary cap because the last thing the Swans want to see is an open open market. Because it'll only help one, one or two clubs. About actually four clubs: yeah. Adelaide, West Coast, Hawthorne, and Collingwood. And and Hawthorne's Hawthorne is really stretching it as well as run Hawthorne are. They have 
they are it's hard to say because I'll say it. They are not they their supporter base or our supporter base is not as uh, firmly entrenched as say that of West Coast. Yeah, and I it's a, it's really you've you it's it's all it's 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 swirling. It's a swirling one. Where yep. that second that second powerhouse club in Melbourne depending on the ladder of positions. And Hawthorne, if, if an open market happened, say, today, Hawthorne would, would be well-placed to really push on where they were, say, for example, if it happened when the salary cap came in. Carlton wouldn't be in that position to come in. Essendon, obviously, are in no position because of the legal costs they're incurring at the moment. But that's another matter. I definitely am not saying this one should, say, fit restrain a trade. What I'm saying is they would, there would be other legal avenues that they could do just to target this one decision but i'm saying that would be down the track for other reasons and that'd be last resort my one one thing i suggested um on twitter would be say a member goes to the a triple c um for some for for an issue but that was a really last to track um you know, one of the heat of the moment issues because, as I said, the AFL and the Swans are pretty much interlinked. It would have to be something that could be pretty similar to the Bulldogs um, merger when a fan as took a member to actually get the legal action rolling. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's going to be a fascinating... Again, it's, it'll be a fascinating thing to... To see in the future. What will happen is that the AFL will probably say, "Well, no to free agency." Um, sorry, mate, you've you've dropped right off sound wise. I can barely hear you. Yeah, sorry. I think what will happen is that the, the AFL will say, "Look, we'll take you out of free agency, but you can go, you can trade, but only on only for like for like. Everything has to be ticked off by us." Look, I'm not I'm not denying that this doesn't reek of. Uh, like spontaneous crap from AFL House. Like this is re- this is absolutely reactionary, but um, and so I expect this to change again next year. It, look, it's reactionary, but but what I don't understand is what does it achieve? What does this manoeuvre by the AFL's part achieve? It it, in, sh- it shuts up the Victorian clubs. That's purely what it does. Oh, and look. These guys have a right to these guys have a right to conduct their business, and you might not like their business, and God knows I didn't last year. But by the same token, that's life. That's what happens, you know. In the big bad world, is that people take more money to go somewhere. Now you might not like the way they went, that the Swans went about it, but you know they didn't do anything illegal. And this is, to me, that it's a it's a gross overreaction to. A non-existent problem. Mm. We'll we'll see how we end up going. I guess. But there's one thing that hasn't even. I think that there's even been comments attributed to Eddie Maguire tonight, saying that they're going to target the academies now. So, I I, I don't see where the, where this ends. I, I understand the Swans are going to try and get some sort of resolution where they can at least bring senior players in. If not this this year, because I don't think we're going to get this solved by the end of the trade period. Um, to elicit free agents 
we can bring in. So that's not an issue. And I think that's where the path we were going to go down anyway. Yeah, but, but delisted it's, free it's Delisted free agents is, is how you fill spots 35, 36, 37, 38 on your list. Yeah. It's not how you bring in yeah. top talent. I mean, that's so in many respects, they're actually, that runs the risk of actually affecting your performance yeah, as a football club that. for three right. or four years. And the, and thing is, we've, we've, see, the thing is, we need to fill only two spots on our list. There's only two open spots on our list at the moment. So it's not like we're desperate for to trade in senior listed players as i said you know, off before the podcast we really only need a ruckman and a key defender but it's not like it's the end of the world i think if we went to the tra- the draft we would only go best available and then one one tall but the thing is it's next year that it affects us because as i said we don't know what players could you know alex johnson doesn't come back he retires uh, you know who who you know, Adam Goods go, retires, Reece Shaw retires. You know we've got at least three players who could potentially go. That you know one's a third tall defender, one's you know irreplaceable all time great at the game, one's a running defender. You know then there's players that you possibly delist. You know then there's Mike Pike, who you know is number one ruckman, but you don't know what his form could be at thirty one. So. Next year, we would have a need to trade. So we the club will want to be in a position to say to the AFL, look, we need to trade next year. This is not acceptable. So you may, you may actually shed so many guys through attrition that you actually have issues with the salary cap floor. Yeah, definitely. If you can't I... bring guys in and all you yeah. can do is bring in draftees who are on a, a standard contract and delisted free agents... Then how on earth do you make, do you end up having to front load or re- renegotiate contracts and prepay contracts so you meet the salary cap floor in in sixteen? Might, might be yeah. some very rich draftees next year. Well, yeah. no, but that's a that's a standard contract, the draftees contract, isn't it? Yeah, the first two years are standard. Um, apparently, um, I'm that's what I've been told because I've been going around um, Big Footy saying that. Uh, Tom Mitchell's um, 1.5 for three years, uh, 1.5 for five years, it's flat, and it was told no, first two years is uh, standard. There's no limit on rookie payments, so you can just rookie everyone. And, uh, and just if only, but those said... Pay them crap loads. Yeah, the thing, obviously we're going to have to re-sign, and there's some good players. In, next year, the early players, we... Of, Definite need that we need to resign are uh, Kieran Jack, uh, Heath Richards, uh, not Heath Richards, Ted Richards, and um, Heath Grundy. And again, possibly, um, yeah, here, we, uh, here I say it again, um, Mike Pike. But that's what, where we're coming to. So we've got two players, two key defenders in their 30s as of next year. You know, and possibly a um, Ruckman. Mm. Oh, we can, we can, you can't just as 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 a mess, mess said. You can't get that through to, um, the the delisted free agent market. You need to be able to trade. Mm. Well, the AFLPA have released a statement. Uh, it basically says that they're not happy with uh, the AFL's directive. Uh, they believe it's reactionary. 
and rather than addressing the core issue, an introduction of this new restriction is simply unfair to the club and its players. Central tenant of free agency is that it enables eligible players to go to the club of their choice. However, from next year, those players will not be able to go to Sydney for two years. Uh, it's fundamentally wrong and unfair on those players who have earned the right to choose where they play. So, more... Well, and that's, that, that's a good statement because I think that more than likely will lead to some sort of resolution that will enable the Swans to at least trade. And, that, and that's the main thing. I can handle not being allowed to not go into the free agent pool, but to be banned from trading. Because mm. I could just imagine what would happen next year if um, Luke Parker and Dan Hanbury and Tom Mitchell, say, for example, all got sick and tired of the club and said, hey, we want to be traded. There's only so, many, only so much you can do with um, first-round draft picks, mm. especially with our history. Trade them to us. We tra- <laughs> we do lots of trading. Yeah, we we have a good history of you. Um, yeah, you gave us Brett O'Farrell, you bastards. Yeah, you are. He asked for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that because that turned into um Jude, Jude Bolton. Yeah, it did too, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we're gonna wrap this up very quickly. Just the, the draft order as it stands at the moment. St Kilda have pick one. Melbourne have pick two and three. Uh, pick three received as free agency compo. Uh, GWS pick four, Lions pick five, Bulldogs pick six, Carlton seven, Gold Coast eight, Collingwood pick nine, but that is committed to picking up Darcy Moore, uh, their father's son, and I'm so glad they had to take their top pick for him. Um, yes. Because that just wasn't going to be right. Uh, pick 10, it goes to Adelaide, West Coast have 11, Richmond 12, Fremantle 13, 14 is Geelong, 15 is Gold Coast, which... Uh, they got via trade from Geelong in 2012. It was the uh, the Cats' compensation pick for Gary Ablett. So full circle there. Pick uh, 16 is North Melbourne. And pick uh, 17, Port Adelaide. Pick 18, the Swans, uh, which they have committed to picking Isaac Heaney. And pick 19 uh, goes to GWS, which they got as part of the Jonathan Rourke trade. Has, that been, has the Rourke one been confirmed? Yes. yes, it's done. Okay, okay. Uh, I've only just heard the um, garlic on that's all. So it was nine to, uh, So it was nineteen and a and a pick swap. Hawthorne's second for GWS's third. Yeah, okay. something like that. Um, so basically, Melbourne are going to be the big players in the draft this year. By the look of it, two picks in the top three, Makes which is a good. Uh, this hasn't this week been a good argument against compensation picks. It has been. It, it's uh, not just that, but the formula that they use to determine it. It is again very ad hoc, and it speaks very badly about the AFL's administration, just as much as the, this Cola decision did. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a, there's far too much ad hoc decision making with no transparency behind it, and that needs yeah. to change. Well, if they're going to keep the compensation, they need to have a for- they have to release the formula. They have to say, well, look, if a player is going to go to a, a club by free agency, this is what the compensation is. Uh, and that should have a table and they should release it to the public. So if we know, we can say, all right, player X has left our club. Um, he's gone. He's gone. And this is what it's assumed for weekend. And we can have a pretty much a guess pretty much straight away what he's getting from. Because, look, as much as we joke about the buddy contract, if we... If, 
that shouldn't he should have been worth more than pick eight. Was it pick eighteen? Nineteen. Yeah, more than pick nineteen. And we traded that pick too, and I think it's now Luke Dunstan running around at St Kilda. Yeah, um, um, McAvoy. Um, yeah, for so. in the McAvoy trade. But I mean, my my point about conversations it distorts the draft. So those of us teams that aren't, you know, getting compensation picks are finding themselves shoved back down the order, even two or three times, um, and and it distorts the nature of trading because once you get a compensation pick. You don't you you begin trading rather than doing more free agency, so that you don't. It, certainly, last year you don't dilute your pick. So, I and certainly this rider thing, this rider thing uh, shenanigans that I was trying to do, was based around trying to get a compensation pick. Mm. Yeah. So and, and as will the decisions that Adelaide have made about Dangerfield, and the decisions that the Bulldogs might make about Griffin. They'll be, the compensation pick will be kept in mind. Yeah. I, I would be in favour of something that baseball has, where if you sign a free agent, what the system is, say if you're the New York Yankees, you have to give up your, and you finish in, the say, the, it's end of season, it's after the players, but say, say you're New York Yankees, you win the World Series, you yeah. sign a free agent, you have to give up your first round draft pick for that player, then you give up, you, then the club might be given a, a compensation pick at the end of the first round. So I would be more in favour of the club who signs a player. So say, for example, for the for Buddy, the Swans would have had to give up their first round pick. Mm. Then Hawthorne was then awarded a compensation. Now, admittedly, you would, have owned, you would end up with your first round pick your in exactly the same place, yeah. Yeah, around the same place, but you would have had, you know, roughly three first-round draft picks. But say for Melbourne this year, they would have got Hawthorne's first-round draft pick and the compensation mm. roughly the same place, but that's still two picks. I I, I don't think you... But to say Melbourne signed a, Melbourne signed a free agent, they shouldn't lose a pick. Well, but, I mean, but, but, but this is the thing. Let's say you didn't finish, say, the top, the, the bottom four. They don't. They can have a, a hit at the free agency market without losing a one. They would lose a second round draft pick, but the, the, the compensation still awarded at the end of the first round. I'm, and I'm using that as ones who would be first round picks. Well, Melbourne, so, have, Melbourne have done a lot more free agency business than most clubs. They signed hmm. Bernie. Melbourne, no, Bernie Vince, didn't they? No, Bernie Vince is no, he, he was a trade. No, he was a trade. Shannon Byrne, Tom Gillies. Yeah. I mean, my my view is there's no. I mean, the idea that you have to be compensated for someone that you've had on your list for years, and most of these guys have been on this for seven or eight years, to me is just having two bites of the cherry. It, it, to, you you have the guy. You, it's an exchange of services. He plays for you. You pay him. At the end, if he wants to go and work for someone else, then that's what happens. And you just have to, you have to back yourself that you've got a good environment, uh, a good working environment for them that they want to stay. And if they don't want to stay, well, then you win some, you lose some. I mean, that's yeah, that's I'm... that's the way of the world. But this idea that you, you end up having to distort the draft to 
compensate you for something that you haven't done very well, which is look after the player's welfare or create an environment the player wants to stay in. I'm, I'm, of, I'm of the view is that the first round should not be tampered with. It should be one through 18. They should, the only time it should ever be tampered with, say, if they ever award a priority, which I don't think they ever will. Because if they're not awarding one to Melbourne this year, they're never going to. No. So the, the free agent should, the club taking the free agent should give up their pick. So if they want the player bad enough, they give up the picks. So if they think, oh, James Frawley is worth, say, pick six, hey, whoever had pick six, oh, yeah, well, what, we want James Frawley. Then after the free agent period, you have the, you have the, the beating for father-son academies and whatever. Then you have the trade period of a week. So you, you have that period, you still have that period of time, but you get the draft order set before the trade. Yeah. At the moment, it's just a, it's a whirlwind changing all the time. And I think what you can have is that you can have a player, say you're James for all, you know he's an example, say the Apple the Demon, well, he's worth two draft picks, but they can say, well, look, yes, the club getting him loses their draft pick, and the club who's, who lost him might reward him, say, a compensation pick at the end of a round, and they can deem it on oh, end of second, end of first. That skews it later on in the draft, but they can they can play around with that a little bit. It's yeah, I think you can. I think it can be simplified. I think they can simplify this and say, you know, what do you gain? The thing that you gain when you lose a free agent is cap space. Hmm. I mean, that's that's ultimately what you get. Is that Hawthorne? have essentially spent a Buddy Franklin-shaped hole in their salary cap, or what was left of that Buddy Franklin-shaped hole, on James Frawley. So they've regenerated the team through a loss. Now, okay, it's, I mean, as somebody said in one of the threads today, it's easy to throw throw compliments from the top of the top of the ladder, but that's that's the environment I think we're in. And, and we, we seem, there seems to be this culture in within the AFL that, Oh, there's, everything's got to be compensated for, and, and every bad thing that happens to me, somebody has to give me something, and, and I just don't, I just don't buy it. I think uh, if it will, if you're looking for a more liberal trade market and and, a, and the ability to move players more easily, then knocking off compensation picks, I think, helps that immensely. Okay, guys, we're going to leave it there. Um, I promised a short podcast, and we're nearly at an hour. So, oh, it is a short one then. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're going to end up going about as long as we normally do. Um, thank you all for your input. Just a reminder that uh, the largest Australian football tournament in the world will be played this weekend in the United States, the US Nationals. Uh, there'll be 40 clubs that will turn up, nearly 1,000 players, and almost as many officials and well-wishers uh, will descend on a town of 50,000 people. So <laughs> tourism will be up this year. Uh, the East Asian, uh, sorry, the Asian Championships are also being played in the Philippines this week uh, between 17 nations, I think. So, um, big, big deal, I know. But you know, indeed, that's, that's indeed. what I that's what I chase in the off season. So, can, can I just uh, add a late breaking news story? You can. Uh, Herald Sun are reporting that Patrick Ryder is already taking daily direction from the Port Power Fitness Coaching. 
people before he's even signed on the dotted line or been traded. What? What is the world coming to? Ryder has already been taking daily direction from senior power coach Ken Hinckley and training to fitness coach Darren Burgess' specialised program. So they are confident that that is going to go through one way or another. Well, that's 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 a tear amount. I I would. Oh, it is. It, as, it, much it, as, as much as we know that's going to happen, that's it. If I was Essendon, I'd be in the ear of the AFL saying, "Hey." Tampering, tampering, tampering. I'm not, I'm not sure the AFL really wants to listen to anything Essendon has to say. Yeah, to that's it. the thing. I don't think anyone really cares. But... No, no. Everyone's just saying it's only Essendon. Who gives a crap? <laughs> um, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's the bet they've made for themselves at the moment. So, yeah. Um, I, I don't agree with what they, I don't agree with what Ryder and Port are doing. I don't agree with what GWS and Griffin are doing. I don't agree with the AFL's stance on the cola. Uh, recent stance on the Ocola, that is. I don't agree with many, many, many things at the moment, but that's that's how it is. Thank you very much, Robbie Ando, for coming on. It was a good first time, mate. I no have problem. Learned... I enjoyed it. Thank you again, Messenger. Oh, you must have missed me these last few weeks. No. Since the grand final. No, I didn't. But uh, And thanks both of you for pointing out just how little I actually know about football and the trade and draft and many things. So well, it's I'm, easy. I'm going to go back and read a book now. <laughs> it's... But no, thank you very much, both of you. Thank you to everyone. If you are listening, don't forget to check out our extras this week. We talked to Aaron Riley on Sunday, the journalist who had a rather bad experience at uh, the uh, AFL Grand Final. We also talked to Cheryl Crightley on the weekend. Uh, you can check those out, as well as uh, talking to the head of AFL Europe and various people at the, uh, the US Nationals. So check those out. Thank you very much, guys. We'll see you all on the forums. You've been listening to Bigfooty Media.